Hello, everybody. Um, welcome to uh, our event today that we're doing with Nick McClongo. Um, Nicholas and I have known each other for... Nicholas, how long have we known each other? Wow. I think since 2002, eh? 2002. Yeah. Um, and we're here today to talk about his uh, most recent novel, which is Way Back Home. Um, the first novel we worked on together was Doggy Dog, which was published in 2004. Um, and then After Tears, which uh, was shortlisted for the Sunday Times in 2008, was published in 2007, shortlisted yeah. for Sunday Times in 2008. Um, Nick is one of, well, the New York Times called Nick one of the, high, the most high-spirited and irreverent new voices in South African literature, or is it post-apartheid South African literature? That's what it's saying. Now. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's spent uh, the last 10 years traveling the world, talking to audiences all over the world mm. about South Africa and what's going on in South Africa today. So it's great to have him here. Um, and he's just about to go off to, uh, to Durban to take part in the uh, time of the writer there. So, yeah, let's ask Nick some questions about Way Back Home and see what he has to say. <laughs> uh, Nicholas, uh, when I first knew you, we were, we were looking to publish um, new South African fiction, South African fiction that was about what was happening in, in South Africa 10 years, 10 years after the advent of democracy. Um, and at that time, I was very militant, and I said, I'm never going to publish a book that's about apartheid South Africa. I'm never going to do that. I'm always going to look, look at what's happening now. And then you came and you wrote a, you wrote a novel which is about apartheid South Africa. <laughs> <laughs> Knowing that I didn't publish novels about apartheid South Africa. Mm -hmm. where, where did the idea for Way Back Home come from? I mean, wh why, why was it that you felt now you needed to look back, you know, sort of 20, more than 20 years into the 80s and, and what, happened with, uh, what happened in Angola particularly? What was it that made you kind of start to decide to write a novel like this now? Okay, uh, good afternoon. <clears throat> uh, thanks for having me here. Um, I think, you know, way back home, actually, was already in my mind before I wrote all this story, uh, before Doggy Dog and before After Tears. It was already in my mind. It was written here. The only thing that was left was just to put it into writing so that everybody could share the story with me. Um, why I'm saying it was written long time ago is that uh, the story of, because uh, if you read it, it's about the story of, uh, there's a story of a ghost in it, you know? That story of a ghost has been the story that was told to me, uh, you know, uh, when I was about five, you know? Um, in Soweto, for instance, there was this thing of, there was, a, there, there was this lady who was, um, uh, it's not very far from my street, you know. We, my mother used to show me that, you know, on that street there was once a lady who was killed by a car accident or, or something, abducted by a man, and then uh, she came back to revenge, you know. So if you walk on that street uh, in the night, you might get a ghost. And then uh, that ghost, uh, the story behind it was that uh, you know, as a young man who love many people, you know, on, of my age, you know, when you see a very beautiful young woman in a party or some, something like that, and then you chat her up, 
you might find yourself sleeping with a ghost. So that's what she used to tell me. But uh, the most important thing is that, you know, in, uh, I, I, it's only now that I realize that within the African storytelling, uh, in, when we tell stories in Af African tradition, we don't simply tell to entertain. We also tell stories to, uh, uh, to give you a lesson. Like, for instance, if the, we don't want a person to uh, go around walking at night, you know, they will tell you a story of a ghost so that whenever it's dark, you come back home. So they'll, it, it will scare you to do things that are not... Uh, so the story of... Um, so your mother didn't want you chatting up young ladies at parties, is basically yes. what she's so, saying. So it's always in me that, you know, even, even at the moment, you know, you see a lady at night, and then you, you, you don't try... You are hesitant, you know? <laughs> so because the story has been told to me for quite some time, you do it with a conscious mind that this might happen. You know, so there was those stories that were told, you know, when I was uh, young. So Vera the Ghost was one of the stories that was told, that it was a lady who was, um, a, 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 you know, uh, went out with somebody at night and then only happened to be raped and stuff, you know, which is not a cool thing. And then she came back to revenge against any man, you know. So I realized, wow, this a link here with what's happening in South Africa at the moment. We are living in the ghost, you know, we are almost ghosts, you know. And uh, because the, whatever Vera has done is because there was no, uh, I, I, linked, I linked it with um, the tra African tradition whereby in order for somebody to heal, for death to be complete, what we have to do, we have to uh, appease our ancestors. You know, so if somebody dies here, we don't simply go and bury. If I die here, you'll have trouble here in Cape Town because you have to fly my family over here to take my spirits where I've died, you know? And then because if they don't do that, my death won't be complete. So I might come to haunt all of you, you know? So that's how, so, so that's how it is. So that, I decided, no, look, it's, a, it's linked to our African tradition. And it's linked to the political, what is happening with political arena at the moment, that these people that are leading us at the moment have done some terrible things that they're afraid of telling, uh, of telling us. Maybe that's why the country is going bananas, you know, so maybe that's because of it, you know. So that's why I had to link all these uh, things, events, you know, that were happening, including the tradition and politics, yeah. So if, if you're saying that, in a way, is Way Back Home almost a, a book to say, um, you're talking about like a story to tell people, don't mm. do this, because this, this is something you shouldn't do because it's going to lead to trouble. Yes. So in, in this way, you're almost saying Way Back Home is a, it's a book about a guy who did bad things in the past, yes. and he's now being haunted by a ghost. And it's almost a ghost story to say to the politicians that are yet to come, don't do what the politicians now have done. Yes, exactly. I mean, it's a, it, 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 I think you're quite right. It's, a, it's more of um, me uh, uh, trying to say that, you know, in order for a country to heal, we have to admit our wrongs that we have done in the past, you know, whether uh, it's uh, agents of apartheid or whether these were uh, guerrilla fighters. Both of them, there are some uh, gross mistakes that they've done in the past. So until we admit that uh, these are the things that we have done in the past, there's no healing. Like, for instance, the Truth and Reconciliation wanted to do just that, but it just stopped all of a sudden, you know? So uh, 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 that's why the healing process 
it's, it's, not, um, it's not complete. Mm. You know, so that's what I was trying to say, that the healing uh, is not uh, complete because there are people that are, uh, uh, that, uh, are not coming up you know, with uh, things that they've done. And until we do that, uh, we might not see the healing. Because the healing also within the African tradition, as I've said, it's not only um, uh, this little process, it's, uh, it's lots of processes, you know. You, uh, you, you have to go over lots of processes, like for instance, we have to, um, I'll give an example of, uh, say for instance, in, in, in uh, way back home, for, uh, main character is uh, has killed, you know. But the person that has killed the spirit, as I said earlier on, the spirit of that person is still hanging somewhere that side. So he is the only one who knows where this person has been killed. So until he shows, you know, he comes out and say, this is the place, so that the spirit can be taken through the processes of tradition and stuff, there's no healing. So I was trying to tie both Western and um, African tradition together and see that sometimes, you know, we try, uh, uh, you know, as a nation, we think these things are very much different, you know. They are not that much different. In most cases, I see white people going to the cemetery, taking out the weed. That's what we do as well. So there are some elements which we can, you know, use, fuse in order to create a South African, you know, a pure South African, uh, you know, uh, what is it in English? I don't know. Okay, an, but yeah, I think an understanding. Understand. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, okay. In terms of, um, in terms of Kimati, who is the main character. Yes. I mean, in a way, do you find it ironic? It's quite interesting. You talk about truth and Re- reconciliation commission. Yes. Um, but do you find it almost ironic then that he? As somebody with these traditions, you know, Kamati grew up very much um, with these traditions, and then he went into exile, and these things happened to him, and then he committed certain acts, which then he was never purified for, cleansed for, or never accounted. Mm. Do you find it kind of ironic that, knowing as you do, that there are people in the government who have been involved, or people around the government, the current yeah. ANC government, who mm. were involved in crimes? against humanity in in angola in particular which is where kamati kind of that's his that's his background Mm -hmm. that that they coming from this background where they should atone for these sins in a very particular way or cleanse themselves in a very particular way they haven't admitted to this yes yes exactly because everyone is trying to um you know to depict himself or herself as this victim Mm -hmm. you know meanwhile we are both victims who are both uh, perpetrators at the same time. So that's what I was trying to get at. Because um, I think one of the stories that uh, you know, inspired this book was um, the fact that um, I, I, I had, for, for, for instance, um, Manda Lang, I think you know him. Mm-hmm. Uh, his brother was killed uh, by being mistaken to be, they mistook him to be a spy. Mm. They only found out later that he was not a spy, you know? But those people that are, uh, have killed are known in the government even now, you know? 
So, uh, but so, so in most cases, when you do things, you know, the conscious, they have got conscious. There are people that have got conscious. So maybe that's where things are not working within the government because every now and then you are haunted by this. You know, you're trying to, uh, to, to suppress whatever is haunting you. So uh, there were lo- what I was trying to say is that there were lots of people who got killed, you know, who were not uh, necessarily uh, uh, political, you know, who got killed innocently. And then they are not accounted for because everybody is trying to play a victim, you know, instead of being a perpetrator. So I wanted to look also on the other side, the darker side of it, you know, that uh, this might be what have happened in the past and maybe it informs where we are in this present moment because you know at the moment honestly I mean uh, there are lots of things that the government is doing you know uh, which are very very wrong and then uh, because the way these are the things that are not happening just now they were happy they are happening they've got a, a sense of history you know it comes from exile this is what it, it, it used to happen in the exile. So that's what I was trying to, to paint, that it's not uh, all, you know, this beauty that we see outside. Deeper, there's a deeper thing so that people have done. Yeah. You're, you're saying that the government is, is haunted by these, by, yes. these, by these acts no that, doubt. that happened in exile? No doubt, oh. yeah, no doubt, yeah. It's, it's haunted by the things that they've done in the, in, in the past because... Most of them, they don't want to say that this is, these are the things that we did. They're really trying to repress. Yeah. And sometimes if you try to repress something, it becomes expensive for you. You know, and even mind-boggling. You know, you, mm. sometimes your mind doesn't, you know, because you're trying to suppress this. You, it's lots of monies are involved in propaganda, mm. you know, so that this kind of truth doesn't come, you know, yeah. So... Um, I want to talk about two things, but um, the first thing I want to talk about is um, Kimati himself, because Kimati is now, after being involved in the struggle, and I think that's that's actually another kind of interesting point, just a little sub-point. Um, you talk about, in the book, um, you kind of undermine, not undermine, I think undermine is probably uh, too harsh, but you talk about how a lot of people who involved, who went into exile, went into exile for different reasons. Definitely. That, that these days, people claim that everyone went into exile for political reasons, but in reality, in the 70s and 80s, a lot of people went into exile for other reasons, yeah. which I think is quite interesting. I mean, maybe you want to talk about that just a yeah, little bit. Yeah, no, definitely. I know, actually, when I, did the, uh, I wrote the book, I had quite a lot of research on it. You'll be surprised that some people will go there because they were afraid of their traditional duties. Somebody, I know of a person who went into exile simply because he has impregnated somebody. And then, uh, according to tradition, once you impregnate somebody, you have to marry them. You go out there, you, you, you have to look for a place where, you know, you can go. It's exile. I know of people who were really, really uh, biggest tutis in Alexander, who have inter- some of the people that I've interviewed, biggest tutis in Alexander, robbing people and robbing banks, and they were wanted by the government. They ran away to exile, you know. Whether in exile, you know, they changed because now they are in a political arena or not, I'm not sure. But I know for a fact that they went there for different reasons. You know, some of them were hardcore criminals. 
So not all of them were political, you know. So, um, you know, as a hardcore criminal, of course, you have to find a way of maneuvering. That's why you find that with the aids that were coming, like uh, from Scandinavian countries, if I was a Tsotsi, you know, you would simply take it for yourself. You know, you become a, this person because you got nothing to lose. Yeah. Coming back to South Africa, you got nothing to lose. So uh, what I was trying to highlight was that, yes, there were people who went there because they've got these rightful reasons to go there. But there were people who went there also because they were afraid of something. It could be traditional obligations. It could have been, uh, you know, uh, social obligations. It could be because they were avoiding jails and stuff like that. So that's what I was trying to highlight, that uh, maybe uh, we have to look into that as well, you know, in order to understand the bigger picture uh, about exiles and insiles, you know, yeah. Same as here in South Africa, for I mean, the people who were in jail, they were not in jail because they were political, uh, you know, political people. You know, they were in jail simply because some of them happened to be in a place where, you know, there were lots of political activities on that particular day. Yeah. You know, yeah. and then they happened to be swept you know, to the jails and stuff, and they became political maybe once they were there. Mm. So that's what I was trying to highlight as well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's a very, mm. I mean, it's a very interesting story, and it's strangely mm. universal story as well. I mean, mm. my uh, personal experience, my great-grandfather joined up for the First World War because mm. he, he couldn't get divorced. He couldn't mm. get divorced, so he decided, you know, there was no way the family shame would have been too much. So <laughs> he, he decided he was 32. Everyone else who joined up was 19. Yeah. And he went, I, I, me. <laughs> I had to start. So, you know, I mean, I think it is an interestingly universal Great. story as well. Yeah. Um, so having said all of this, um, you know, we've been quite, I mean, the book itself, taking all of this into account, is quite negative about the current political situation. Um, do you see do you see hope for South Africa? I mean, do you see like a do you see a, a post Jacob Zuma space which is which is more positive? Or? You know, the positive thing that uh, I mean, if I have to comment about Zuma, the most positive thing that has ever happened to South Africa is him being a president. Why am I saying this? Is because people now are aware. It made many people be, to be political. You know, now we know that um, uh, people no longer follow the ANC because they can see a corrupt person, mm. you know. So if it wasn't him, we wouldn't have seen this corruption, perhaps, you know. Mm. We would have thought, okay, it's the ANC. I'm voting because it's the ANC. Now people are starting. That's why you see new political parties coming up, you know. So if it wasn't for Zuma, we wouldn't have seen this. You know, Zuma made South Africa to be political, made everyone in the township where I come from to want to go and vote. Some want to vote him out, some want to vote him in, you know. Mm -hmm. So it just made, it's a, imagine if it was still Mandela and was doing all of these things, you know, and with him being an icon of the nation, would have... Nobody would have cared about politics. I said, okay, let him, let's give him another. Guy. Yeah, right now everybody was, oh, that guy, let, let's vote him out. Mm -hmm. You know, I haven't voted, but I want him out. Mm -hmm. You know, whether he's from the ANC itself or what. And I think it made South Africa to be a very good um, multi-party, this multi-party system to work very well, mm -hmm. you know, because now people are aware, they've got choices now. 
parties are breaking away from him. So the ANC's hold to power, it's being challenged, you know. And it's no longer like, um, what is more interesting, I, I, I mean, from where I come from in Chobek, it's no longer like uh, I have to vote because there's a black political uh, leader there. I want to vote for the right things, you know. And who's coming with the right things? Whether it's DA or not, I don't want this man. Or whether it's DA or not, I want this man. So it has made us to be political aware and to be politically interested because uh, the new generation, um, you know, were m much more not political, so to say. But at the moment, there are quite a number of them that are very much political mm. because they can see corruption in their faces. Mm. So that's why I think Zuma is the best thing that has ever happened in that thing, in that way, you know. Mm. Uh. Um. Which is interesting, uh, two things I want to talk to you, because I mean, your, your daughter is, how, how old is your daughter now? Yo. Uh, is she 19? 21. Is she 21? Oh. We it got, is possible. We got really old really quickly. I'm 41. I'll be 41, actually. I was so naughty when I was at school. I was so naughty. Boy. Very, very naughty that boy. Story about, <laughs> that story about the ghost really didn't work. <laughs> I, look, I, 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 I go to gym every day, yeah? <laughs> no, I'll be 41 in June, so, yeah, yeah. So, so, okay, so she's 21, so how, mm. how is she going to, I mean, what's her view? How is she going to vote on this? I mean, what's, because obviously that's your yeah. most obvious connection to a younger generation. You know why I don't like my daughter that much? And at some point we didn't talk. She wants that. to vote for Ellen Zille for all these people, you know. Who do you think she should vote for? Uh, that's why I said to Monsieur myself. Lakota. No, no way. You know, no way. Actually, you know, I, 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 I just thought, well, maybe it's a good decision because mm. that's what I'm saying. The new, um, you know, the new uh, generation at the moment, you know, they uh, with us. I mean, I'll start with me. When I voted in 1994. I just wanted to vote for a, to see a blackface government, you know. That's what I wanted to do. Whether they would be good or bad, I just didn't care. I just, I was tired of white people seeing them up there, you know. So I just said, okay. With her, she doesn't see color. That's very much more interesting. What she sees is, um, a, you know, somebody who will do the best thing for her, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think it's, uh, and it's not only heads, lots of, uh, some, uh, like for instance, my nephew is very convinced that, uh, 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 by the way, my nephew is a man, eh? you know, you know, with us, we, we, uh, when we, <laughs> African point of view, we don't have uh, this, uh, it's a cousin, it's a cousin, you know, whether it's a female or male, you know, <laughs> so yeah, my nephew, he is too much into Malema. Mm. You know, that he doesn't too, yeah, me. he is too much into Malema. He even has this uh, Does the he red, have a beret? yeah, yeah, red beret. Yeah. And then my, my 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 daughter now is very much happy because Helen Zilla has come with a beret as well. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's a it's a it's blue a, beret and a red beret <laughs> in the house, you know. So, so I, I like that, you know. At the other day, we were watching TV news, and then. He came in a little bit late when Malema's launch has been, uh, they, they've talked about it already. So he wanted to change the channel. But in this channel, they promised that Ellen Zilla will be talking in Lipopo, uh, something. 
and then they fought over a remote control. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know? <laughs> so so it's, it's quite interesting the way the politics are nowadays, you know. Yeah, so... So yeah. do you... Because there was, a, there was a story, and this has got very political rather than very literary. Yeah. Um, but there was a... There was a um, and I think a lot of people don't know that you actually stu- you studied politics at university. Yes, which yes, is why, I did. Which yeah. is why the political view in yeah. your novel, in yeah. your novels. Yeah. Um, but do you... Because um, there was a report the other day that said I think only 35% of young people now voting for the first time had registered for vote to vote. So mm. do you feel, I mean, obviously, you know, you're much more in touch with what's happening in yeah. Soweto. Yes. In Soweto, yeah. they are very politically motivated. Very, very much so. I think most townships, eh? mm. most townships, because um, uh, uh, I do some uh, journalism, uh, I mean, uh, I do write for different, uh, uh, you know, newspapers, but not South African uh, ones, because they don't want my views in most cases. Yeah, we know so, your trouble. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, your views on Jacob Zuma shocked everybody <laughs> in this room. Just yeah. first. So it, it happened that um, uh, they wanted me to write about this, uh, uh, these two parties, the EFF and the ANC. But on the focusing on the launch, you know, there was a launch of uh, EFF in, um, in in a township called um, uh, Tembisa. Mm-hmm. It's uh, east of Jobek. So, and the ANC, there's two uh, stadiums there. So, on the uh, three kilometers from each other, I think you might have heard about this. Huh? A- A- ANC was launching its own things. EFF oh, yeah. was launching oh, yeah. its own things. So, uh, you know, I had to cover both, you know, so that I could get a good view. So the street was red, you know, most of the street on the other side. The other side was about 60, the most things that I've seen were, were buses, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, what's more interesting, the guys, uh, because, I mean, the guys on the ANC side, when we were driving towards the, they were handing nice t-shirts, eh? mm. you know these nylon ones, nice ones, free of charge, eh? so asking us to come into the, uh, you know, into the stadium mm. and just, yeah, to write about, because I was wearing a journalist tag and stuff, mm. so they were giving, a, but everyone, they'll just call yeah. you on the street, even, I, I was so surprised to see many people, there. you know how poverty is in the township, you'll find that many people carry, um, uh, women will carry three of their children, as young as, because there were no sizes of young children, mm. so they will be wearing <laughs> <They're bringing all laughs> those, their big, <laughs> those big t-shirts. And you go to the other side, you go to the other side, those, the t-shirts were sold, <laughs> <You know? laughs> and these ones were buying, you know? And the exciting, the, the most interesting thing was that the other side of the ASU was full of buses, the other was about 60, 50,000, the other one was about 10,000. But what you, was, uh, 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 what you could see was mostly the buses, you know, mm-hmm. within the ANC side. Mm-hmm. So I've heard that those who were there, the EF, so they used the ANC buses, wearing ANC, uh, you know, <laughs> T-shirts. Mm-hmm. And then once they deliver, I mean, once they get off the bus there, they go to the they other went side. To the other one. <laughs> <laughs> so it was quite interesting to learn that... Um, <laughs> you know how uh, uh, these things are working at the moment. You know, there's something the political atmosphere is very much working at the moment. Mm-hmm. And the following day, uh, um, 
I, I had to drive to um, to the DA's launch in uh, in Lipopo, mm -hmm. you know. And I thought, wow, there were lots of people there. So I don't think here there will be lots of people. Mm -hmm. And I was surprised to find that it was really? a full house as well, you know. Interesting. Yeah, it was just a full house, and you find that that's why I'm saying. Uh, Zuma is the best thing that has ever happened. It could have happened like that if ever mm. he, he wasn't there. You know, all of us would be saying, uh, "Okay, ANC, let them, let's give them a little bit of uh, mm. for five more years, six more years." But now I like the diversity. Politics is no longer seen in terms of color; mm. it's seen in terms of righteousness. You know, yeah. what, what people are coming with. You know, yeah. yeah. So it's quite interesting. I forgot your question. What was? <laughs> No, I forgot it too. Okay. <laughs> um, can I ask you, because, um, so then can I ask you another political question, which is to, to write this book, to write Way Back Home, you spend a lot of time yes. drinking a lot of whiskey with a lot, lot of ANC people. It yes. was very hard work. Um, <laughs> and we all appreciate how hard you worked to get to the point where you could finish and the that, novel. And the greatest thing is that, you know, I wrote a little bit of bad stuff about them, but I'm happy that they don't read. So nobody will, <laughs> so nobody will find out what I've written. <laughs> and you've lost all of that whiskey weight now. Because <laughs> you got really big. <laughs> and now you're going to gym and now you're fine. Yeah. Um, but do you think, having spent all that time talking to, talking to a lot of the people inside the ANC and a mm. lot of people who are very highly connected, people like Mandra Langa, who, mm. you know, I mean, he's incredibly well connected. I mean, yeah. that, the Langer family is, I mean, they are yeah. untouchable, basically. I mean, they have such great connections. Mm -hmm. Do you think that the, the, what is going on now around Zuma and everything which is happening within the ANC, do you think it will actually split the party? I mean, do you think there will be a split? What are you talking about? The party's already split. <laughs> it's already split. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, 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 I think, okay, that's, this is my political opinion, and I'm not supposed to say anything about politics, you know, because I, I'm, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a literature person. But it's my own opinion. That my own opinion is that I, I really think that the ACE is still going to rule, but um, not in the majority that they used to enjoy, you know, because within the party it, 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 at the moment, you know, it's split, you know. A, for instance, a, I, would, I, I, I doubt it if ever ANC will command the majority in Gauteng because of the ethos who, who, who is benefiting. It's a good thing. In Gauteng, we've got a very good uh, transport system, but who's benefiting out of those things, you know? And then uh, we are benefiting in terms of tra but the real people in You're the ANC the are then. the ones who are, you know, who are owning those companies, you know, yeah. you know. But uh, I, I really feel that uh, uh, it has opened a very good, um, you, you know, I would feel guilty not to vote for the ANC if Mandela was still there. Mm. You know, right now, I'll feel very much happy. I'll sleep at night mm. if, I, if I don't vote for them, you know, because even within itself, there are people that are not going to vote that I know. Mm, mm. Uh, look, look at the list that they've just released not so long. It's a list of thieves, you know. Mm. We've got Dina Pule is there. We've got John Block is there. We got who else? I mean, quite a number of people are there who are just uh, who have got you know dark uh, mm. shades following them, you know, shadows, whatever in English mm. you call them. But 
That's, 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 that's what I, I think. And people are aware of those kind of things. They are asking questions about, around those things, you know. And then um, you can see that there's complete purging, you know, that is going on. Like, for instance, most popular um, ANC person that, is, that, um, that we know that is, is very good in mobilizing people around Jobek, it's Paul Mashatil, it's not even in the list. Mm-hmm. Because it's not in good uh, relations with the president, mm. you know, and then that's why you find that people now are starting to f- f- see that you know if you vote for this, you're going for the thieves to go back and eat again. But also, people are still asking themselves. Oh, I mean, if you vote for a person who has already eaten, maybe he's tired of eating. Maybe when you vote him again, he won't eat anymore because there's no more, nothing else to eat. So you vote for a new person, he will start eating. From the from the start, so it's a, it's a dilemma, you know. But honestly speaking, I don't think it will command such kind of um, uh, you know uh, 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 support as it used to. Whether it's going to win or not, I'm not. Sh- I'm not. Uh, I'm sure that it it might win, but not in that uh, you know because mm. right now what is happening is just disaster. That's why they even released the list late, you know. Yeah. yeah, so it's the list that you see there is a list of thieves, you know, nothing else. Yeah. Um, two things. I think the first thing, um, just Paul Mashatile is one of is part of a group of people who are yeah. wonderfully known as the Alex Mafia. Yes, which is uh, they're all from Alexandra. They've made made very good political careers with themselves. I didn't know the Alex Mafia were out of favour, which is quite <laughs> interesting. Um, the second thing, I think you talked about Mandela. I think that's quite interesting. Do you think a lot of people feel that way? A lot of people feel like now that Mandela is gone, almost they have the they can sleep at night if they don't vote for the ANC. Do you, you feel know, there's, that? There's a saying amongst the academics and also people of my age in Jobek who are saying uh, they're using Nietzsche. You know, God is dead, man is free, because mm. they were not free when Mandela. I mean, there was freedom, I understand, but it, the, the most important thing is that people were saying, look, uh, there's nothing that we can do to oppose Mandela. Mm. First of all, many people were questioning the fact that he kept quiet when Zuma was chowing all those monies, you know? Mm. <laughs> if he had said, no, don't chow too much, maybe he would have listened, you know? So uh, he, he never did that. Mm. But yet, he still commanded the highest power. And even when Zuma uh, chowed the money and said, okay, well, now we want a vote, we want people from Kailicha to vote, they fly him over. He didn't say no, did he? So he yeah. just came to Kailicha on the helicopter, mm. sick as he was. Whether he was forced to do that or not, we don't know. Yeah. But uh, because it was him, people were saying, okay, it's fine. So it means that you decided, in somehow, some way, mm. there's this side of him which was siding with what was happening. I mean, the silence, the omission, you know, of not talking about it. But the mere fact that now that he's gone, mm. people feel freer to, to make their own to choices. Make their own choices yeah. Because we feel like the choices were made for us. You know, you couldn't oppose Mandela in public. I wouldn't be saying this, you know. It's amazing. Yeah. It's really interesting. Yeah. Really yeah. interesting. Yeah. Um, talking about Mandela... 
um, as well. I just want to talk quickly before I ask for questions. Um, the, the new novel that you're currently writing, having said this, having said that, <laughs> that you now, with, with Mandela's passing, you now feel freer to make your own choices. Yes. Um, the new novel that you're writing is about Mandela. Yeah. No. Are you, are you, I'm scared I must not, I must not say it. <laughs> are no, you prepared that one let pass. Let pass. <laughs> are you prepared to talk a little bit about it? No, okay. The novel that I'm writing, it's a, you know, I'm, us literary people, you know, we, we overstep boundaries, you know. So it's, it's, it's about, it, there's this myth around, you know, when you sit around with township people, they always talk things. They've got lots of things to say. So they'll say, what if um, Mandela that, was, uh, that we saw the was, freedom fighter was just a clone? They, they, they killed him a long time ago, so they got a clone. I mean, I mean by then, many people in the, uh, in the township believed that you know, a, a white person is capable of anything. You know? <laughs> so, so they killed, they can clone, and then make a person who looks like Mandela teaches him closer. So that whatever they say <laughs> is science, <laughs> no land, <laughs> you know, and stuff like that. So I'm writing such kind of, um, yeah. but it's a hearsay from the township. So I listen quite a lot of what people are saying, that maybe Mandela was a clone. Maybe that's why he divorced me. Maybe she said, oh, no, this is not my husband. You know, you know such kind of things, you know. And then you're right, yeah. So, well, it's it's uh, a very interesting idea mm. because, I mean, for so long nobody knew you know, people hadn't seen his face, so they mm. didn't know necessarily what he looked like. Yeah, and no, and the Mandela who came out of prison was not the freedom-fighting Mandela who yeah. went into prison. Yeah, even even so, Sisulus and whoever was imprisoned with him, they say he left in '82, yeah? to somewhere else. Huh? Mm. Yeah. yeah, no, there yeah. were. So there what were. if it's a. Uh, as I'm saying, white people are capable of anything, according to us. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, we're almost at the end. Can I, can I ask if there are any questions? Does anybody have any questions they'd like to ask, Nicholas? Um. I do. Um, okay, Nick, you mm. said that I'd like to get back to the ghost. Yes. <laughs> because I'm, I'm interested in the moment that the way in which the supernatural functions in South African literature you start with the story of the you started by saying that the story of the ghost was just a story, like a didactic little story to warn kids off picking up and sleeping with strange women. Yeah. Okay. But then you also say that um, part of African culture and African traditions has to do with the ritualistic cleansing and the claiming of the dead. Yes. The correct burial and, and cleansing. So on the one hand you're saying that the story is is, is just a story. But on the other hand, you're also linking it to uh, um, something that's a reality yes. in, in, in African um, culture, mm. which is like um, which has to do with sort of putting the dead to rest, you know, yes. like, um, leaving the ghosts, putting the ghosts in their place. Yes. So I just want to. Um, this is going to sound really blunt, but when you say that we kind of need to do a cleansing for the um, for the secrets and the ghosts that have not been put to rest by the NC because they never um, gave account of the TRC about what happened in the NK camps. The mm -hmm. camps. Mm. Like, do you, are you envisioning sort of something literal, like a cleansing ceremony, or do you mean something more ju ju juridical, like that they must give account of themselves in front of the law? 
Or do you think it should be something more like a, a, a ritual cleansing that needs to be done? Like how do you see the possibilities for that? It's quite a good question, and I never thought somebody would ask me in that way because it's difficult to answer it. And I think uh, whichever way, I think whichever way that will help uh, us to know that uh, what I was trying to say is that, you know, there's too much denial. And then uh, I don't mind whichever way this cleansing comes, you know, comes. But uh, this denial is the one that is, uh, uh, which is a problem, you know, because the moment in African tradition, the moment you say, okay, this is what has happened, uh, you have to uh, uh, do the things properly. Yeah, you have to do the, yeah, properly and those ancestors and stuff. But within the ANC, uh, not only the ANC actually, I'm just saying, I'm, I just use the ANC because now it's the ruling party, is the one when we hear about tender and corruptions and stuff, it's them, you know? Because as I say, yeah. yeah. But the thing is like, um, uh, what I'm, in, uh, uh, I'm, I'm thinking about, it's uh, the holistic kind of a process. You know, what happened in the TRC, uh, uh, just to make an example, you remember that somebody will say, eh, I'm the one who killed so-and-so. I've uh, uh, done this to, I've bent their bodies. Or I've, uh, the families, what they wanted to hear, if you followed it quite, yeah, what they wanted to is where did you bury him yeah. so that we go and take the spirit. So what did they do? They went there spiritually themselves. Psychologically, it helped. You know, it helped them to lay to rest this uh, matter which has been with them for quite some time. So uh, I'm saying there are different ways of cleansing in South Africa, including the, other, the, the one that you are talking about, yeah. the, the physical thing. So yeah. a juridical, um, because it seems to me like a, a, a juridical investigation yes. is quite a Western way of dealing with it. Yes. But mm. the, Yes, yes. Yes. Yes, exactly. The, the, yeah, exactly what has happened to, the, for instance, you might have seen the credit for how the oh. families were, yeah. Even though the, uh, this, uh, the person who killed them said, I've bent them. Yeah, they, they went to the place where they, yeah, psychologically they healed. Psychologically they healed. Whether in, in, well, in Western tradition, you might not see it as healing, you know, but within African point of view, it's healing in itself because we have been exactly where the spirits are. So, because in African tradition, we don't die. You know, I live 100, if I die, if somebody does anything to me, when I'm an ancestor, I'm going to, uh, I'm not going to do them any favors as well. You know, so that's an African tradition. <laughs> you know, so it's yeah. a, would you say it's more of a private? Yes, it, it starts with the public yeah. and then ends up private. Okay. Just like the book, yeah. it starts with a, a public thing yeah. and then ends up with a private thing. Yeah. And then uh, uh, in that way, they've healed. Yeah. You know, yeah. Wow. Okay, Thank okay, thanks. Barbara? Church passes with traditional healers 
and they did joint cleansing ceremonies in yes. townships. Yes. So I was wondering, uh, A, whether you're aware of it, B, um, uh, whether something like that might, you might have ideas about how to improvise on things like that. No, no, you're quite right. And, and, okay, and, and to, I think you, uh, you know, these things are with us. I think I like your angle as well. You know, your question, because these things are with us. You drive. I don't know here in Cape Town. You, you, you drive quite a lot, and then wherever or along the road, you will see wherever there was an accident, you'll see a cross, isn't it? What does that symbolize? It symbolizes that we know that this person is so. It, 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 we are, the mind is resting because we know exactly where it started. Imagine if you don't know where these things have started. You know, as long as you know, psychologically you become healed. You know, so um, uh, like for instance, uh, when I was growing up in Soweto, it was so easy. In the morning, you'll find that we wake up in the morning. And then there's a, a person who is dead, and then there's uh, newspapers here. Sometimes you play soccer, you know, and then the balls roll, the ball rolls into the towards the body. It was something, but the families will still come and cleanse that, because if they did, they don't come and cleanse that, psychological to us that we don't have to step on that, you know, we don't have to step on that until it's cleansed. So they have to take their soul. Otherwise, they will be. Lots of accidents happening, you know, within the family. So that's how we believe uh, in African tradition in most cases. And it helps us quite a lot, as I'm saying, to, you know, to, to, to be appeased. It appeases us, you know, and say, no, look, uh, okay, we have laid this matter to rest now. So let's move on with our lives. So this person uh, is finally becoming an ancestor so he can look after us. Because if we don't do that, that person... It will be angry. The spirit of that person, it's just hovering everywhere else. It's co it will cause trouble everywhere else, you know? So we wanted to, to bring it and meet the spirits of the, those ones that have died long time ago, you know? So that it becomes, it, it becomes, it has a home. A spirit has to have a home, according to us. And that's when the cleansing and the process of, uh, you know, in our minds, we are cleansed as well, you know, because the person is finally, has finally been reconnected with the, uh, the dead. Yeah, okay. Was there one? Ah. <laughs> we'll take one, and then there's one at the back as well. Mm -hmm. um, I want to ask you something, and I suppose it's a question that you often get. Yes. You're not, you're presumably not, not writing in your home language. No, I, I'm not writing in my home language. Um, no, I am, actually. I am. Yeah, it's, an English. it's an interesting question, that, actually. Yeah. I think you should just say a little bit about that, because it's, yeah. really, it's right. really interesting. Yeah. I, I thought, because if you're not, do you find it a, a kind of a loss? Mm. There's a certain readership, presumably, if you write in English, mm. you lose. Yeah. But there's also a readership. Win. Yes. Was it a conscious? What kind of choice was it for you to write Okay, it, it was very much of a simple choice actually, because since I went to school, it was always English. I don't speak English well, so that's why I'm saying it's my language. It's a bastard English. That if you read my books, there's nothing closer to James English. It's just bastardized English, because I use 
different languages. In my book, it's possible to read all 11 South African languages in one book, you know, because it's a, that's the language that we speak in the townships, for instance. We use different languages. We use Totital. There was, I thought I had written a book in English, but it came to me, what is all of this? Because I always mention, so we went and we stopped at the robot. So what is a robot? That's our English, isn't it? It's our language. We, we, we have adopted it, yes. It was foreign in, before uh, white people came, like James. So, <laughs> but but we, we, we made it our own. We made it our own, and we speak it in our own terms, in our own way. It's, our, it's a new language altogether. So it's no longer an English of English people. It's an English of South Africans and of black people as well. Of Because uh, there's... So that's why... Language itself is fluid. I speak, uh, my mother is Shangan, my father is Zulu, so I, 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 I speak Zutu. It's a combi- combination of different languages, of Zutu, Sutu, and Zulu. You know, you might not understand. Somebody will speak Africans, I mean, Tsotital, uh, uh, which is uh, in a sentence there are 11 languages on it. You know, so if I write and I say, say for example, I, I would have used Shanga. Nobody would have. I, I don't know the language purely. You know, even my mother, even when I was young, my mother would say, no, no, but that's Zulu word. I said, my father is Zulu. You know? So I'll mix different languages. So I don't have a specific language to say. Uh, and the language that I'm using, many people in the township, whether they're educated, they've been to universities or not, they can easily read it. You know, yeah. Unfortunately, we have actually run out of time. I know there's one more question. You're, if you, you're welcome to come ask Nick at the end. Um, now is the end. <laughs> Any question you have, I'm sorry about that. Um, but we have to wrap up because people are clamoring to get in. Thank you all so much. Thank you.